For the first podcast of the year 2013, the shout-out goes to Robert Taylor, Sean Brown, Peter Walker, Nathan Olson, Paul Wade, and Michael Watanabe. Always five, acting as one, which equals six because there's six of them. Dedicated, invincible, faithful spoilerites. Da -da -da -da! The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Fake Rigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast. The podcast for pop culture and comic fans. What episode in 2013 and I've broken him in this issue come and listen to my story about a man named steve read legends of the dark knight and hoped it never leave then one day he was on the internet and all the comic websites were awful you can bet crap that is butt kissing tripe utter cheese oh well the first thing you know he called a college friend then rodrigo said hey i know comics man then scroll brian left and there was an empty chair but the high school let out and zach was hanging there he's a kid that is pokemon pbj's well, now he's got a podcast about comics and the like, and they would like to thank all of the faithful spoiler rides. You're all invited back again to that there website there, because it's time to have a podcast, and this one is on the air. Woohoo! Set a spell. Put some pants on. Y'all come back now, you hear? Dun, 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 dun. I, I just picture Matthew <laughs> being granny there, holding his hand and waving it, too. <laughs> Because that song was, that intro was so long and so didn't go with the music that plays <laughs> underneath. <laughs> <sighs> I wish we had Rodrigo back. There's, you're not going to be able to live up to that the rest of the year. <laughs> hey, I got to do a good one at the beginning. Now I can slack <laughs> till December. Oh, I've slack? I've 11 oh, months oh, to right. come up with another good one. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to issue 487 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening this week. <laughs> Hope you guys had a happy holiday. Zach, did you have a good new year? Oh, I had a wonderful new year. Did you guys, what'd you do, play games? I did. I uh, had Naughty some cheese games and with your nope, girlfriend? Oh. Nope, tried. <laughs> Failed. <laughs> I said, you, you want to play a different version of Sorry? <laughs> uh, and it failed. <laughs> oh, oh, and Zach. That's a Zach nice little lob. All the year to top that. <laughs> <laughs> lob to Zach, and he knocks it out of the park. Good one, <laughs> young Zach. Uh, what about you, Matthew? Did you have a good New Year? Did you do uh, anything well, exciting for the? I I worked New Year's Eve, and then I sat in my living room and I I watched stuff on them Netflix. Yeah, what'd you watch? Mm. Anything good? Uh, I watched. I think I watched about half an episode of five different things. And then I sat down <laughs> and watched a movie, but I can't remember what the movie was. I saw Jay and Silent Bob. That was yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Jay and um, Silent Bob Strike Back, or oh, the usual sub suspects. I watched that too. He flip you. He flip you. He's a can can him in the back. He flip you. He he's a flip. Oh, with uh, Benicio. Yeah, with Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro before yeah. he did The Hobbit. Yeah. And Kevin Spacey and Kevin Pollock forever confusing anyone who tries to figure out which is which. You I know, ended up Kevin from The Usual Suspects. I ended up watching two films last night. Um, first one was 
the flying swords at of Dragon Gate, which is a uh, it's a wushu movie. Yeah, it's mm. um, got uh, what's his name? The other one that everyone's all hot Box on. Us. Not the uh, jetly. Jet it has jetly in it. It's actually so, not bad. I mean, it was. Uh, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good. Mm. It had an eighty percent, you know, fresh rating. Uh, I said I'll watch it. It's really pretty good. I like nice. that. And then I watched. It's not apparently it's not in theaters yet, which I can't believe because it's been in the process for like two or three years now. Solomon Kane, which, really? yeah, based on the um, made a movie uh, of that. Yeah, they did. And actually, I thought they made it like a year or two ago. Hmm. But one of the great things about iTunes is they have all of these. You can rent these yeah. movies and watch them before they're in theaters. And I actually saw mm, around Christmas. I saw. Um, Joe dies at the end, which was a really good trippy oh, movie. Yeah, I saw yeah, the yeah. previews for it. It looks kind of it yeah, is it, it is trippy, but it's it's worth think, the five bucks to download. Cool. You think they sidetracked Solomon Kane because of uh, it John is Carter? not so good. Solomon I Kane wouldn't. was not so good. The guy does it's like in a five minute span he does like fifteen costume changes, and what? it makes well, no sense in the context <laughs> of what's going on. James Brown used to do that. They called him the hardest working man in showbiz. Yeah, Solomon Kane, not the hardest working man in medieval England. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll do better in theaters, but I have low hopes for that. Going to get in the right. So that was my New Year's Eve. The kids and the wife went to bed early. Let's get to some news. Uh, you know, the holidays often bring not very much news, but we got two pieces uh, to talk about maybe this week. J.J. Abrams not directing Star Wars 7 and Breaking Bad gets action figure tri- treatment. Does Zach flip a coin? Is it heads uh, or tails? Heads. All right. It lands on J.J. Abrams will not direct Star Wars 7, which I don't even know why that was a... why people even thought yeah, that he would be either. directing Star Wars 7 because he's all over Star Trek. Yeah. And that's what I thought. I was like, oh, he'd never be considered. But apparently, uh, maybe Kathleen Kennedy asked him. I forget. There was an article over in Empire Magazine. And he came out and says, no, I'm not going to direct uh, Star Wars. I'm actually pretty attached to Star Trek right now, just yeah, well, like everybody thought. <laughs> Go figure. This is this is the thing that really... Oh, I sure baffled. hope Joss Whedon directs the next yeah. Star Wars movie. Uh, he's kind of busy with the Avengers. Yeah, and before the Avengers, people were like, can Joss Whedon do an there action only movie? T- I mean, his TV shows are all kind of like talky, romancy things. And I'm yeah, like, there's a lot of action in Buffy. But even so... Now, all of a sudden, J.J. Abrams does one space movie, and now he's got to do all the space movies? No. Um, we need to get some guy who's never only, done this. There's only two actors like Al that, Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's only two directors that I know right now that aren't any tied up on anything. Mm-hmm. One of them would love to direct it, uh, and that's Kevin Smith, even though he oh, says gosh. he's really kind of done with directing yeah, movies yeah. after, though he is going to do another Clerks, Clerks movie. 3, yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, the other one is um, John Favreau. Who's really oh, not yeah. tied up with anything right now, but he's always hinting that he would be love to be asked to direct it. Mm-hmm. So I like his I think Iron Man. Kevin Smith's Star Wars movie would be interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. would. I actually, you know what would be a really good, and it's too bad they can't do it. I wish they could do like uh, last week when we were reading the emails and Kevin Rubio wrote in, and mm-hmm. I would love to see Kevin Rubio step in and do a troops type series. <laughs> or even Tag and Bink type series for yeah. television. Mm-hmm. Or do the actual Tag and Bink. Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be great. I mean, oh, speaking of uh, television series that are Star Wars, Star Wars The Clone Wars, it's episode 100 this Saturday, January 5th. 100 episodes wow. of that. Have you guys watched that? No. I haven't watched the... I'm behind about a season and a half, but uh, 
I've always enjoyed it. I DVR'd it for like half a season, and then I got behind, and then I just didn't put the effort in to catch up. So, and it was like the third season, and I hadn't watched anything before that. But who no. who should direct Star Wars, Matthew? Do we care? I honestly don't because I can't tell you who directed the first three Star Wars movies. Uh, George Lucas <laughs> did okay. the first one. That's one. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Edwards Blake. I forget what the, his last the name. Guy was. who died a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, just died yeah, recently. Yeah. yeah, just died and recently. Who directed the third one? Uh, exactly. Cast it? No. Lucas again? It I forget. I don't Maybe. Know. That's my thing. I mean, the director, while certainly part of what becomes the movie, isn't necessarily the deal breaker for me. So I want to make sure that the movie has something going for it. And then you can say, hey, we're going to give it to this new guy who did, like, I don't know, this Wuxia movie. Yeah. Or something. Or Man, give it to Tarantino. I'm going to be good. I'm going to have Tarantino Star Wars would be awesome. Yeah, I think we mentioned that before that I thought Tarantino would be would make an interesting choice to do that, uh, especially after Django or Django Django, and Django. Did you go see it? Yeah. Okay. Um, But yeah, you know, there are some of these uh, these movies that I've been watching on iTunes. I've been hitting all the martial arts movies. Mm -hmm. It's just like I don't care if it's if it's subtitled. I'll just sit there and get into those movies. And there are some good directors. In fact, the the Flying Swords movie that I saw last night. there's just parts of it that's like, this is totally out of Star Wars. I yeah. mean, they are doing sword fights that would play so well as a Star Wars lightsaber fight. Yeah, that'd be they awesome. They fight inside of a tornado. That's how awesome wow. the movie is. That's pretty awesome. They, Dorothy Gale got nothing on them. Uh, I think to have a big director come in on it, I think, I don't know how good that would be because you've seen how Star Wars fans have pretty much ruined Lucas for any Star Wars after the prequels and everything. Well, Lucas kind of ruined Lucas. Well, I mean, he... Whatever way. I mean, he he got pretty ripped by all the fans and everything. And so, what if your holy Josh Whedon comes in to do Star Wars and tanks it in Star Wars and then then you have to get a new director on Avengers because they don't want someone that tanks Star Wars to... Or because then they're owned by the same company, so why would they bring him back in to do Avengers? Yeah, exactly. And one of the problems you're going to have is no matter who they pick, if it's somebody with a name, immediately people are going to go, "Well, I don't want Sidon mm-hmm. Bob as a Jedi." Yeah, whatever that person is known for, people are going to be like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. well, look how terrible this was. It's going to make this movie shook." Now, granted, that's going to happen regardless. Yep. But I think that depending on what you want to do. And depending on how much input George Lucas has, he doesn't. I, well, does he want any? I don't think he does. Mm, I think he's not. he's kind of scripted out what this or plotted out what this next movie's supposed to be about. But he's just walked away, and he's like, Kathleen mm-hmm. Kennedy, it's in your court now. Do it. There Apparently, the Disney okay. released a fifth part of their Q and A together yeah, uh, over the weekend. Um, I didn't post it because I was just like, really, they're going to go on for another twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm. It totally is not surprising, and I don't know why so many people are are let down that J.J. Uh, Abrams mm. is not going to direct that movie. I'm I'm not let down by it. I I am amused by the fact that it became such a thing, but I am in no way surprised. Nor am I really particularly bothered. Yeah, with all because, of J.J. You know, Abrams' crazy monsters that he throws into his movies, Star yeah. Wars would be a perfect universe for him to play. Oh, in totally. That. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know who I think would be really good? Peter Davison should come in and direct Star Wars. <laughs> All right. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, it might be. 
everybody could have pinstriped pants and a nice cricket vest <laughs> because, you know, that's what people remember him for. And thus, that's what they're going to assume the movie will be like. Duh. Yes. Ah! Sorry, Listeners, you can uh, head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out this story and many, many more. We've got all this stuff in the show notes you can check out. Um, and, of course, you can find a lot of other things over at Major Spoilers, including this week we are running through our best of 2012 as far as our five-star books. Any book mm. that received a five-star review throughout the year 2012, we're highlighting in a four-part series, one for each quarter of the year. And... Uh, you can go check it out. It gives a little bit of synopsis, our final thoughts on, on that book and why it got a five-star rating. And you can check out a link to the uh, full review if you want. That's over at Majorspoilers.com. Look for a four-part and then a follow-up uh, throughout this week. Also want to give a big shout-out to everyone who's a regular donor to the Major Spoilers cause. Someone wrote me again today. I don't know why this is going on, listeners, but every once in a while, I will get an email that says, hey, so-and-so has suspended or canceled their automatic payments to you. And I'm like, well, that's okay. I mean, I can understand hard times, yeah, fiscal that's... cliff, you know, all mm -hmm. that other stuff going on right now. But uh, <laughs> Zach had another good one on his Facebook this week. Uh, we survived the Mayan apocalypse oh, only yeah. to drive over the fiscal cliff. Yeah. Um, uh, so I can understand people canceling their payments, but then I get emails from some of these people, like the one I got today, this morning saying, hey, I got a notice from PayPal that said, you canceled my payment. What's going on? Why don't my money not good enough for you? No, that's your money's great. And you we like appreciate everybody who contributes either a two a five or a $10 a month recurring donation. This happens occasionally. And the only thing that I've narrowed down without calling the PayPal tech support is that uh, either your, if you're using a credit card, that credit card has uh, hit the expiration mm -hmm. date. Um, or your bank has tried three times or PayPal has tried three times to process the fund and it didn't go through. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you're getting kicked out or canceled. So um, my suggestion is if it gets dropped out, just go ahead and start another recurring, uh, maybe up it a little bit, but we certainly are not canceling anybody's, anybody's uh, fee for that. But we certainly appreciate everyone who does it. In fact, people who contribute that $10 a month recurring donation uh, gets their name shouted out at the top of the show, just like Matthew did. Kind of at the beginning of this one. Also, head over to SlashLoot.com. Check out the Critical Hit t-shirts. I know, uh, uh, was it uh, J. Michael T. out of Mexico? He got all five of the shirts. He was proudly nice. sporting them. And, uh, all at once. All at once. It's cold down he, there. He took all of Chandler's clothes out of the closet and wore them all. Could I be wearing <laughs> any more clothes? SlashLoot.com. That's where you can get the official Critical Hit t-shirts. Let's get to some reviews. Wait, what goes in the... Wait, I forget. Reviews. Let's have some reviews. Rodrigo is out this week, so we do not know what he would review. Although He'll I bet it would first. be something uh, pretty terrific. Rodrigo, you have anything to say? Hey, cool guys. I got this book about a dinosaur with a gun who travels in time. And it's really awesome. I give it four thumbs up. Thank I you, Rodrigo. some thumbs. <laughs> Uh, last week, Matthew, you and I sat down and reviewed Avenging, or uh, sorry, Amazing Spider-Man number 700, the last issue of that. You did. Only to, uh, there was one other book that came out last week from Marvel, I believe, and it was The Avenging Spider-Man 15.1, written by Christopher Yost, artist uh, Paco Medina uh, from Marvel. Supposedly, this is a tie-in, Zach, oh. to, uh, to the 700 issue. That that's a correct statement. This is a tie-in issue from number seven hundred. It goes 
picks up pretty much right after the uh, ending of 700. The first page is the bugle with Doc Ock uh, covered up. Well, you know, the, the body of Doc Ock, he's, he's covered by a sheet. And then it pretty much Wait, it just they killed Dr. Octopus. Yeah. Well, Dr. Octopus kind of killed himself. Kill, I mean, pushed Spider-Man oh, out the window. It happened. Plummeted to their deaths down at the bottom. But uh, so this is the ensuing stories of Doc Ock inside Peter Parker's body and how he starts to adjust to his life as the new Spider-Man. And for about the first half, it's pretty much, I'm Doc Ock. I'm better than Peter Parker. He was so stupid. And I can invent crap better than him. And that goes on for a while. Really? Mm-hmm. Ugh. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing, is it? <laughs> it uh, I don't know. I mean, at the end, so it goes on for a while. And then he has, he tries to get into one of his Doc Ock lairs and get some equipment out. And it turns into, oh, crap, Peter was actually better than me because I lost all the time, which I feel like kind of they did that in 700 too. Mm-hmm. So uh, that happened, and then it ended up of, I see myself through Peter Parker. I've seen the mistakes I made. I can be better than him. New suit and goggles and superior Spider-Man. Hmm. Yes. Goggles? Well, that... that Spider-Man. was kind of one of my... Was the one of my weird parts of it because he's going through and he's redesigning Spider Man's costume and on a on a blackboard, it, he's designing these new eye covers for his costume because mm-hmm. as Matthew has always pointed out with I believe Humberto Ramos art his eyes Spider Man's eyes on his costume always change and Matthew hates that and I so they, Matthew they, they hates actually, many things yes they actually point that out and it's like on his new design it's like these new goggles they'll change to show emotion. Like, oh, okay, so they kind of gone around that. But then he hasn't even changed him yet, and so they've addressed that this is an issue, and then before he actually makes a change, they're still doing the emotions on no, the face. Like, it's fine if, I feel like, I mean, it doesn't bother me when he does it, but if you're actually going to point it out that his costume actually doesn't do that, and then you can k- keep doing it, right? then it becomes of, well, that. Well, the writer and the artist dumb. didn't necessarily talk to each other. Well, apparently, because, I mean, then eventually they do, at the very last panel, he gets on his new goggly face and swings across through New York City. Man, I forget the you events. I, I forget the events of how things played out in Amazing Spider-Man just because it was so many months and just reading it, mm-hmm. you know, when I could grab it. The new Spider-Man costumes that Peter was coming up with when he first started, were those yes. Peter Parker designs or were those Doc Ock designs? Those were Peter Parker yeah, designs. Okay. designs. I thought Doc Ock yeah, so that would have been body in like 697. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, no, no. It would have been like during the... Um, it started it, in Spider yeah, Island. Well, it was whenever Doc Ock tried to blow up the... Burn up the Earth. And that was f- Ends of the Earth. And yeah, that was like yeah, 694 yeah. to 697 or something. No, 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 no. no that no, was, was way, way, was, way, way. Oh, hold on. Let me tell you. No, it wasn't. Mm, it was... It was not that long ago. Yeah, it was. It was, it was like Ends in the 680s. the Earth was da, 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 late 680s maybe yeah because there was alpha like, in between it and mm-hmm. the lizard mm-hmm. into the earth started 682 yeah there you go 687 oh, right. ding. then they killed silver sable surfer yeah right right but so back to avenging spider-man it man 
it kind of seemed like it wasn't completely necessary. I mean, just to fill in the, I mean, I guess the costume, to change the costume is pretty much what it seems like. So yeah. they don't have to do that in Superior Spider-Man right away. Right. But besides that, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, all those things we talked about in 700, all of my feelings about being Spider-Man now and how I have like this responsibility and crap. That's pretty much what the entire issue, his emotional arc, went through again. It seems like anytime I see a point one on a Marvel book, it's like one of those, this yeah, is one that you can avoid. It. You can probably just skip it. Yeah, like, did you read the... Uh, no. Si- the 680, 698.1. Oh, yeah, point one, one where Morbius, Morbius escapes? Yeah. No. Yeah, I didn't read that either. I was like, I'm not going to read that series. Probably. See, the, the point ones, they do either... You know, they do that uh, obvious jumping on point where it's all backstory... Or they're literally all backstory. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened to Iron Man in the last six and a half years. Yeah. Really? Why do I want that? It's a brand new jumping on point. But it's, I mean, then it seems weird that they would release this the same week, because if you're going to want the story of what happened, I mean, you're going to pick up 700 anyways. Yeah. To figure out what happened. So you're going to get the whole story pretty much there. And then you're going to get a costume change in this point one. Mm-hmm. So not entirely worth it the art was i mean the art was good besides that the obvious of the high slit things which mm-hmm. was annoying besides that i mean i enjoyed the art the art was nice um cool. but it wasn't worth it if you are thinking about going out and picking it up probably don't need to what uh, what kind of meatloaf rating are you giving this oh i'll give this two slices of meatloaf two slices of meatloaf for avenging spider-man number 15.1 that was out last week from Marvel Comics. Now, a book that came out quite a while ago, two weeks ago almost, the 19th of December is, is what I see. But, uh, you know, since there was no, really nothing or much of anything from uh, DC Comics over the Christmas holiday, let's jump back, Matthew, and look at the Whistling Skull number one from the JSA Liberty Files. I thought that came out last week. No, it came out on the 19th is what it said on the uh, solicitation list now. You know, shipping errors and a lot of other things can cause things to get uh, to get bumped, but it was certainly not on the 25th release date. Well, that's when I got it. So that's when it happened. The Whistling Skull, JSA colon Liberty Files semicolon The Whistling Skull comma from DC Comics is actually a sequel to the previous JSA colon The Liberty Files stories, which... I guess we're kind of an alternate reality, which posited a justice society that operated kind of in Lawrence of Arabia fashion, where instead of the Hour Man and Dr. Midnight and Wildcat and um, the uh, something, you have the clock and the cat and the owl, and it's just kind of obnoxious. But I'm fine with that up to a point. This series is, well... First of all, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Uh, The artist made some remarks on the internet that have set people off. And this series, I think, is getting some blowback from people who are upset at Tony Harris. Mm. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to review the book and not the artist. And I apologize if I offend anyone by not reviewing the artist. Secondly, I didn't like this book. Did you like the previous one? (laughs) Did you like the previous Liberty Files? I remember reading the original Liberty Files in about 2000 and liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Harris, though, is one of those artists uh, who has evolved in the last 15 years. So what he was doing around 2000 in his Starman era kind right. of gig 
is not the same as what he's doing now after five years of Ex Machina and some changes and adjustments. So this book starts with about three pages of the skull teaming up with the owl and the clock. And I guess the bat is no longer in this. I'm not sure what happened to the bat somewhere along the line. But the cat is in this. And Mm -hmm. we get about four pages set in 1940 with the cat and the skull and the clock teaming up. And then we cut back to the past. And the sequences in the past are kind of horrifying because they're, the characters are two boys who are probably in the 10 to 13 range. They have huge skulls and giant eyes and, oh, my God, it's disturbing. But I can kind of get past that until they grow up and we cut back to the future and they still look like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is... I I guess, and this is something that I run into before, there's something that I look at and I call it over-rendering. And you get a lot of it when you look at, you know, comics that someone had a lot of time to noodle with and work with, where they draw a picture and then they draw the hell out of the picture and the background is beautiful and it's lush and it's three-dimensional and there's so much going on that there's too much going on. And the first panel of The Whistling Skull in action with apparently his sidekick knuckles is just like that. It's, it's beautiful and it's really detailed and it's just hyper bizarre because it's almost a realism. You know, the, the, the realistic Alex Ross kind of painting, Mm -hmm. but then they still have the big bulging eyes and the freakish giant heads. Hmm. Okay. So it falls into almost the uncanny Valley for me. We get through the story and we find that the, by this point, Apparently at a point before he meets up with the JSAers who are not JSAers, the Whistling Skull is traveling through Switzerland. And there's no real explanation of, you know, how he's going to get involved with the JSA. Granted, it's a six-issue series. But as a first chapter, this is puzzling to me because there are references to the Skull being a new version of an old character. Hmm. There's a character who shows up wearing bandages like the Invisible Man. And if you look at him, he seems to be partly invisible because there's a big dead space between his his uh, coat sleeve and his glove. And we get these horrifying, bizarre, dreamlike visuals throughout. Yeah, We see fights, you know, we see a battle. And I'm just, I'm not <laughs> necessarily following how this all ties together yet. Now, is this Some a, was this a really one good. shot or was this a, this is part one of six. Huh? And the thing that's interesting about the skull is his costume. At least I think it's a costume features a mask that looks like Frankenberry right down to the little, uh, steam spout over his ear. And there's a big screw in the middle of his forehead. And, the design is interesting, but inexplicable. And by the time I get to the end of the issue, I'm just, I'm kind of overwhelmed with it. Visually, there's just so much to stare at. And right. That can be a good something thing. Something right? weird happens. It, it ends in a weird place. They find a young girl and they're, the girl is dying. And then all of a sudden she kind of bursts into flame and becomes transparent like Dr. Phosphorus. And that can be a good thing. I mean, it, a book that's that's deep, that's that's rich, that you have to go through three or four times, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. I love that. I love being 
I love it when a book is mysterious, but I don't like it when a book is confusing. I guess the only thing and that I have this one is for me. I, I guess the only thing that I have is this is not an Earth. This is not Earth two, and this is right. not the new fifty two Earth. But it's right. not really spelled out that hey, we're on Earth, you know, S or Earth, uh, um, you know, twelve or something Q. like that. Yeah, it's it's really um, not, I and believe... that, and especially right now, especially when they've just spent all this time negating their multiverse and then blowing up the multiverse and then rebooting <laughs> with new 52 and then reintroducing at least earth. Well, two. the multiverse still exists though. Uh, well, I mean, to an extent, we know that there are two, two earths right now, earth right. one and earth, uh, main earth continuity prime, whatever they're calling it. And right. uh, earth two, but you know, they've kind of downplayed this whole multiverse aspect since they brought it back, which is really a shame. Of course, that's their big out if if they ever decide to flip back to the old universe. Is that well? And these Earth Prime these is still were out there doing some stuff with the Elseworlds logo. Oh, were they okay? Yeah, I don't know. I don't believe this one is. But then again, I don't know that Elseworlds is yeah, a thing anymore. Yeah, they don't really do that anymore. Yeah. I guess but that's yeah, the, the only thing that could be a shame. Thing. I was thinking about p- picking this up, but I don't know why I did not get around to it. Well, it doesn't sound like honestly, it's very good. It's it's one of those books where, at the risk of sounding really awful, I think for it to be good, it will have to be something that reads better in the trade. And maybe in a bigger chunk, it will be easier to parse. But this issue is just kind of like all over the place. Hmm. And it it does have an aspect of Mary Sue to it. Because remember, the JSA Liberty Files features sort of Batman and sort of Hawkman and sort of Dr. Mm-hmm. Midnight. You know, these are these are golden age characters, and to my mind, those golden age characters have a little bit of backstory and cachet. Even if it's an alternate Batman, it's yeah. still freaking Batman. Right. Right, right. And putting the skull at the center of this, granted it's his book, it's called The Whistling Skull, but putting the skull at the center of this invites comparison to Batman and the Phantom and Doc Savage and characters who play in these kind of things. And it invites a comparison of who does this new kid think he is? And that, you know, rattles around in the back of my mind. So all in all, two slices of meatloaf, not a bad book, a confounding book, a difficult book, and one that's visually unnerving for me. So I wouldn't say that I'd recommend it, but if you were somebody who really, really loved the previous ones or loved Tony Harris's art, mm-hmm. it might be something to check into for you. All right, cool. All right, so that was out a couple of weeks ago. Zach reviewed a book from last week. I am reviewing a book that is out this week, Ooh. Invincible number 99, uh, the one right before invincible. 100. The death is this the one of where everyone. On the Adriatic? This is the Death of Everyone series that continues. So uh, Invincible and Dr. Dinosaurus, or Dinosaurus, I guess is just his name, um, are duking it out because Dinosaurus has basically flooded all the coastal regions and um, basically what we have is Invincible going after him while Guardians of the Galaxy – or not Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> what are they? The the Guardians? <laughs> the Guardians of the Globe. The globe. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, okay. So that is there's kind no of – squirrel in their ranks. There's a well, dog. Well, there's, yeah, there's a dog and a Yeti kind of guy. Um, a Yeti. So one of the things – and this really becomes apparent by about page three uh, of this book is that – Invincible from day one has always been poking fun at every other comic book property ever created. Right, right. And what is one of the biggest superhero 
mega battles uh, that culminated in the death of a character. Uh, Batman uh, versus Doomsday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Try again. Um, Fruit Man, no. Superman versus Doomsday, right? Oh, I, w- I was the, getting them the death of the, the death of Superman. And that is exactly what this issue is paralleling. Mm. Not only is it Dinosaurus and Invincible, Mark Grayson, duking it out, tearing things up, page for page blows. You know, the world is being destroyed. It turns out, you know, last uh, time when Matthew and I reviewed 98 on the Dueling Review uh, episode, um, they thought millions of people had died. In reality, no, there's only maybe hundreds of thousands of people that have died in this flood. Um, Dinosaurus, well, I mean, that's that's better. Well, according to Dinosaurus, you know, (laughs) you kill these hundreds of thousands of people, you make the coastal areas uninhabitable and you push everybody in inland and that's mm-hmm. going to change the population mm-hmm. uh, and it'll change the disaster that's occurring in the world and of the environment. And uh, robot man is busy making calculations on how they can repair all the damage in three weeks. And everyone's <laughs> going about it and dinosaurs and Mark are pounding each other in Southern California. And then you again, by page three, you're like, Hey, wait a minute. Every single page is a single panel. And, when the death of Superman series occurred as Superman and doomsday were fighting one another, as the battles became more and more intense and I'll have to go back and look at 98, 97. I don't know if they, they followed this, but it started out with like six panels per page. Then the next issue was four panels per page. Then it went down to three panels per page, then two panels per page. And then in the death of Superman issue, issue 75, uh, it was every page was a single panel. And that's exactly what they do here. There's one, two-page spread that's a Mm -hmm. single panel. Um, But in the end, Dinosaurus is like, Mark, you know, why are you battling me, Invincible? You know this is right. And and Mark is screaming, you've basically made me an accomplice to murder, and I can't believe you did this to me. And Dinosaurus is like, well, you don't need to fight me then. I mean, you've never been able to match me on the battlefield. You act like you want to die. Maybe that's just what you want to do. So I'll go ahead and do it. And in the last panel, he's crushing Mark's skull. Oh. So there's your big major spoiler right there, ladies and gentlemen. Art by Ryan Otley and uh, John Roche. Um, it doesn't get as graphic as a lot of Otley's work does, which is interesting because you would expect in that in that final page, in that uh, final panel, on that final page, to see like Mark's eyeball shooting out and brains oozing out the, of his skull is and he his jaw. Dead? Well, I mean, come on. It, he's as dead as any. Uh, Viltrumite is right, 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 and Viltrumites have incredible healing, healing powers. Healing powers yeah. Um, you may recall that Mark has previously been, you know, yeah, dead multiple ripped times, ripped to shreds, and halfway disemboweled. And again, if you remember the death of Superman, Superman was gone for you know what six, almost or a months. year. Yeah, it's almost a year. Um, uh, he was gone from four eighty two to five hundred. So yeah, a year and a half, maybe. Yep. Um. So really, you know, you can't expect this to be like a true death. Uh, I found the most interesting panel in the entire book was the one where the Viltrumite population was up on the moon and basically the leader saying, look, none of you people interfere. I know that you've become attached with your with your people on Earth. But if people know that we're out there, it's going to cause all sorts of problems and we don't need the uh, Federation of Planets coming down on us. So everybody just stay calm and stay out of it. Mm. I found that to be the most interesting panel in the whole, whole piece. 
But again, Otley has done some pretty graphic stuff, and he really held back here. Uh, but I did kind of like that here's this gimmick, and a lot of people might be upset about it because it's like one panel per page. Right. What a rip for two ninety nine or whatever that this book is, two ninety nine. That doesn't sound worth it. It kind of is if you remember that this book is supposed to be a reflection upon the superhero genre and superhero comic books. So for that, I can give it a pass. Um, overall, though, it was an okay book. Um, since death is not permanent, apparently, in any publishing company, uh, I have very little hopes that the death of everyone will be actually the death of everyone. Yeah. Um, writing is very simple. I mean, you probably got less than 50 words a page. Yeah. So... It's an it's an okay book. It's a better than average book. I'm giving it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Invincible number ninety nine. I've kind of spoiled it for everyone, which will make in, uh, issue one hundred super interesting when it comes out. Uh, but uh, go pick it up if you're an Invincible fan. You'll want to add this to your collection. It'd be kind of cool if uh, you know if issue one hundred came polybagged in a in a black uh, black uh, bag yeah. with an armband and pins inside. But I don't think that image is going to go that far uh, for Robert Kirkman. So there you go. Invincible number ninety nine. And uh, listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com. There are a bunch of reviews over there. Even during the holidays, we had reviews. So you have something there, a little something for everyone. Mainstream comics, right. indie publishers, small publishers. It's all over at Majorspoilers.com. In, in fact, in many cases, that is. I mean, a lot of people, you'd be surprised. I'm surprised when people are like, I don't know what this Boom Studios is. I'm surprised at the number of people who still think Archie Publications went out of business in the 60s. Um, what? Yeah, really. Although there's an interesting, they went out of business in 1978. There's an interesting, um, article where they were interviewing one of the Archie owners and he says our month to month, um, books our monthly books like the Kevin Kellers make the company zero money. They're just there for publicity just so that they can keep the properties alive um, maybe so that they can sell their digest books a little bit bigger and better. Mm -hmm. But he said that they're only there for publicity purposes, really, that they make hardly any really? money for the company. Interesting. Lost leader. lost leader. Yep. yep. Uh, speaking of not being a lost leader, we like to make sure that we can keep the lights on in 2013. And everyone did such a stellar job in December buying their holiday gifts through the Amazon link over at Majorspoilers.com. I was totally blown away when I looked at the earnings summary of this money that'll be coming our way in a couple of months. It's about a 90 day wait, I think. But uh, I tell you what, if people continue to buy like they did, holy crap, <laughs> this is even <laughs> higher than what I thought it was going to be. That's not even the bottom. That's not the bottom number yet either. Wow. Thank you so much for everyone for using that link. And it certainly helps. And again, if you guys keep continuing to spend and using that link at Amazon, now I'm not saying you have to go out and buy $500 or a $10,000 doohickey or a, a $20,000 LCD screen or something like that every month. But if you go out and say, hey, every month I buy my toilet paper or my diapers or my whatever, mm -hmm. and you use that Amazon.link, we use it here for the diapers for the youngest, for the sidekick. Right. We just go through that link at Amazon, order our diapers, and it's on a regular thing. So every couple of weeks, a new... Why do you naturally go to toilet paper and diapers? <laughs> oh, because this episode what? has gone in a shitter a long time ago. Of... Oh. No, but it's, I mean, it's something that everybody uses every week. I mean, every month, every day. People use toilet paper, right? I, I only use them every week. Very true. <laughs> well, you're pretty thin. You could <laughs> you could stand to eat a little bit more fiber, I'm sure, Zach. Um, but you know, whatever you whatever you buy on a regular basis, go through that Amazon.com link and uh, help us out. 
we get a little credit for every little bit. Like I said, people really did a lot in December. And I don't see how people can say the economy was bad because this was our best month okay. for selling. So nice. that's right. So all the economy is, good. is improving. Is oh, what yeah. They say. Yeah, that's what they say. Whoever they are. I don't know who they are. Yeah. I said um, it once. Uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who I was listening to some uh, senator. And just I'll get on one political tangent right here. Was uh, it the Washington senator? It was one of these Washington senators, not from mm-hmm. Washington. Um, but uh, he was on the <laughs> CBS uh, Morning News and he was like, you know, what's really sad is that here are all these people here in Washington that are making decisions that affect businesses and most of us have never run a business. And I was like, well, well, there you go. That's a pretty observant, you know, self-reflection that this yeah. person was doing. And it kind of put a, uh, put a little pin on everything that oh, is going on. Surprised you said that. Yeah. All right, everybody. Speaking of <laughs> going over some fiscal <laughs> cliffs here and buying things on Amazon. We didn't go over the cliff. We swerved at the last minute. Did we? Did they sign something yesterday? Yes, it is the year 2013. In the 21st century, politics is like a game of chicken. I didn't know that they had. Nobody wants to be James Dean. Yeah, it's it's all over the internet. Is it? Well, see, I stopped going to. uh, But here's the thing: I I stopped going to uh, CNN after that terrible coverage of the Sandy Hook thing. Yeah, I just get all my news from Twitter. All they have to do is put something in place and say, oh, it may not be there, but uh, we make it retroactive to the first of the year. Yeah, Boom. yeah. yeah That's yeah. all they had to do. Yeah, but I'm so, sure. So, you know, this whole thing about the deadline and the, the, the TV news writing their story and giving us the narrative is meaningless. But, yeah, they're apparently ready to vote. I think it passed the Senate and they're working on the House. House will vote tonight yeah. on Senate bill. Yeah. So it's going on right now. So maybe tomorrow our stocks won't be in the toilet and our... Savings will still be intact and dogs and cats won't be living together and buildings won't be on fire. But we do have a new year, which means it's time to make some resolutions or Woo. make some goals. I prefer goals than resolutions. Yeah. Because I, I, I resolve that. No, my goal in the next however many days is to do this. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a year long goal. It could be, hey, my goal is to wake up and still be breathing tomorrow. <laughs> it's yeah, a good goal to have. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I tend to make That's goals. That's my goal every day. <laughs> I, tend, I tend to make goals and they pop up all the time, but it seems like at the first of the year, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people say, well, this year I'm going to do this or mm-hmm, this year I'm mm-hmm. going to do that. So the question yep. that I have is, do you make New Year's resolutions? And we could say slash goals. Right. Do you do that, Zach? Um, I mean, I guess. I mean, I kind of think of like, I should do... Did you not set through my goal-setting workshop? Um, goal I don't know what classes I don't think so. Maybe I they did, and I just wasn't paying attention Specific. That day. Um, yep, manageable. they need to be smart, manageable. Yeah. Trustworthy, loyal, brave, sleepy, dopey, doc, uh, Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Sacco, and Vanzetti. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did some last year, but I didn't do any of them, so... My willingness to try again this year is lower, but I was like, I should write more. Just something. There you go. Yeah. And so I wrote stuff today. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And then um, what else will I do this year? Um, I want to graduate. Well, see, there's there we a goal. Go. There's my goal. There's a goal. Write more and graduate. Stop 
stop no selling Matthew's good job. No, no, no. no. Why would we ever do that? Matthew, what about you? Do you make goals or resolutions? Oh, God, no. Why not? The problem that I have, well, and specifically speaking of New Year's revolutions. Uh, New Year's revolution would be better. Yeah. It's a Six Sigler book, right? (laughs) The seven seven New Year's revolutions. When I used to be in the EFEDs, season's beatings was followed up by New Year's revolution. And I'm pretty sure that the WWE stole that from me. I have a problem with the New Year's resolution. And the very specific thing that I have is the same problem I had with people freaking out about 12, 12, 12. And it's the fact that a New Year's resolution is What happened on 12, 12, 12? Nothing. That's the point. I went to school or something. But people were like, it's 12, 12, 12. I'm like, yes. And every day I'll sit at my desk and it'll be 1234. And I'll look at the clock and it'll say one, two, three, four, five, six. I do it every day. (laughs) Every, every day, single every day, day. I do. When Sounds I like that's becoming work, a habit. I look at that clock. At mm-hmm. 12, you have an OCD. 56. <laughs> Maybe. But what if you, when you walk out of a room, do you have to flip the light on four or five times? It's not. You... No, but I have to count the midgets. Um, it's <laughs> not that a New Year's resolution is in itself problematic. It's the imaginary milestone of a new year because we put a one right. on the calendar and you feel like it means something. The problem with an imaginary milestone is it's a new year. For 2013, I'm going to eat better and exercise more. Okay, I have now set a resolution. Problem is, in March, when I've done this for two months, and I go, you know what I really want? I want a big cheese pizza. And I eat the whole mm-hmm. pizza and go, oh, damn, I've ruined 2013. <laughs> now I'll wait. And I'll make the same resolution in 2014. The imaginary milestone makes it possible for me to chuck it and wait for another imaginary milestone. Oh, that's because your goal so is I would not, rather, not smart. My goal is perfectly smart. But the thing is, if you tie it to an imaginary date, if you tie it to something, you know, I have a friend who, well, God but, help her. Well, but you have to have a date on something, calendars are especially for your goal. Zach wants to graduate in May. Zach wants to graduate in May, right? He just wants to graduate. Well, do you want to graduate in May or do you want to graduate? No, I want to graduate in May. Okay. Okay, so see, he's put a time limit on it. But a time limit is not the same as tying it to a milestone. Saying graduation is in May and I want to be I want to be there. I want to have my credits. That's a, be ready that's in a May. milestone. That's a milestone. But I think he's saying that yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for the for the year. It's the first year. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. I mean saying that, whatever. you know, this year is gonna be different implies that when you screw it up, you don't have to worry about it again until next year. Mm-hmm. My expectation is to try and be better every day. One day about 10 years ago, I think, I woke up and said, I'm going to write something every day. Hmm. And I wrote something every day. And after a while, it became a thing. And it became my my uh, gateway to internet fame where I wrote every day a little blog post about who I felt were the coolest characters in pop culture and who were able to wield uh, Jules Winfield's BMF wallet. And after about a hundred days of doing this, it came to a point where I, it was part of my routine. It was something mm-hmm. I did every day. I wrote every day. I now try to do something for major spoilers, whether that would be writing or recording or irritating every Steven. day of the week. Every day of the week. That's right. pretty easy. <laughs> That's right. Tuesday we record, Wednesday we record. Critical hit days can sometimes, you know, I may take a day to recover. Sometimes I fall down on Monday. Sometimes I fall down on Friday, but I, you know, if I fall down on a Friday, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do something Saturday. It's like Weight Watchers points. They reset once a week. That's what I need. I need, I need a goal that's flexible. If I tie it to the new year 
and it falls, then I feel like I failed for the year and I feel like a failure. And I think that's where New mm. Year's resolutions fall I guess I, I guess I don't look at them as this is the thing for the year. Here is a good starting point mm-hmm. to set this new set of goals. Now, in May, I'll have another set of goals that are come up that will have a, a time limit to them. Right. And in probably after Nerdtacular, I will come back with another set of goals to accomplish before a specific date. So, you know, January to just say, oh, well, I'm going to set these these goals or these resolutions for the year. Eh, that's not right. such a big deal to me, but I can understand that this is this place where we can start a new calendar and we can start fresh. But if you are like into March and you're not going to the gym anymore, I don't think you failed for the year. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on mm-hmm. is, oh, well, I failed for the yeah. year. No, you failed for the last two weeks. Day. Now yeah. you just need to reevaluate. And you haven't failed. Well, that's you, the thing. I don't think you. Gone, you no, yeah. I don't think people fail on their goals. Problems. People just stop. And so I, I know one of my goals this year is to be less lazy and to pour even more work and energy into. Although I don't. I think man. you're supposed to you're get man. least four hours of sleep a day, right? Uh, probably a little I don't more. Because I, I, uh, I that's about what I get right now. So I don't know if I can pour more energy. I just need to be less lazy. That's what I need to be in 2013 less lazy and have more energy but you know what's red bull fix that Hmm? red bull fix that. no and i'm gonna i'm gonna try to ease myself off the off the sugars stay away from red bull steven because you're in your 40s and when it what it does to zach is not the same thing it does to us a great combo is red bull and sour trolley worms that's what I do. Tonight. Zach can drink that Red Bull and he'll be like, "Oh boy, I can you go just, out." And do you just take thing. the Twizzler, the the hollow Twizzlers, and oh, stick that in the Red Bull no, and just drink they, it through I that as a they, straw? They switched up their Twizzler production schedule because I, as a child, I could use the Twizzler as a straw. Try it the other day, not thick enough. The holes weren't big enough for me to suck any liquid oh, out. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, I was disappointed. What about those uh, sour apple? Uh, Zach did not stringy, them. sticky things that are kind of like licorice, but they're like coated oh, in sugar. Do they have yeah, holes through they, the center? I think so. I haven't had one of those for a while. Those mm. are good though. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So more energy, less lazy. That's at least one of my goals. But apparently, Matthew, most of the major spoilerites hey, do not set New Year's resolutions. Hey, Stephen. Yes. It's time. Oh, boy, you are so behind already in 2013. It is 1 o'clock in the morning on the 1st, and I felt bad because I was already an hour behind on everything that I wanted to do. See, that's the thing about a goal. You want to give a goal. uh, It has to be time limited, but you have to build in. You have to take the advice of Montgomery Scott. If you want to be known as a miracle worker, pad your time estimates. Oh, I do that all the time. Which means that I end up sitting around watching two movies going, man, I sure could be writing this article or I sure could be editing this video to go up on the site. It's it's research. If you're reading a comic or watching a movie for a site about movies and pop culture, I mean, you don't want to be the guy who's talking about Dirty Harry in 2013. Oh, Zach on movies. Put it on the list. It's there. 101 votes in, 74%, or 74.74 people have voted no, they don't make New Year's resolutions. 26% say yes, that they do. That's 25.47 people. Mm -hmm. I think the .47 is actually my kid who is a midget. I've decided in the year 2013 also to not be offensive 
I'm going to refer to her. I'm going to refer to her as the widget instead of the midget. Oh, it's just offensive because towards your child widgets. or towards people in general. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. No, no, no. I'm I'm going to be less offensive He's... to the universe, you little prick. Oh, okay. <laughs> but good start. Fail. Not to you, Steven. <laughs> All right, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can uh, share your thoughts on New Year's resolutions. And I think tomorrow. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, today, Wednesday, uh, be on the lookout for the question of the day for, what is it, January 2nd. Uh, Matthew January has 2nd, a, 2013. Matthew has a question on um, what we're looking forward to in 2013, so you'll want to be on the lookout for that. Where did you get that logo, the five stars with the reflection? Because that is simply beautiful. Uh, I think it is a stock image that I had from... Uh, I stock photo or someplace, one of those places that I that pay lots of money for. Gorgeous. It's a pretty cool. Uh, I thought, I thought you made cool. that. Oh, with the reflections? No way. Yeah, that's gorgeous. I, I would not do something like that. We should put <laughs> that <laughs> on the site. Per- <laughs> no, because uh, it wouldn't work. Anyway. You don't have reflection? No, the reflections wouldn't work. Not, we, don't use the, uh, we don't use images anymore for the, uh, it's an automatically generated star. Yeah, That's so why people are like, how come five stars? Oh yeah, you can. Uh, but we don't. Um, no. And you'd kick our butts if we yes, tried. I would. <laughs> Zach. Yeah. yeah. Matthew, because I'm looking through our database of reviews and I see at one point, Matthew gave an issue six stars <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that, that guy. Why don't we take a, a real quick break? And it took you a year to catch it. <laughs> no, no, no. This was like from like 2008 or something. Um, <laughs> Why don't we take a quick break? Why don't we listen to Cat Halo talk about Jack Reacher, which apparently has not done well here in the United States or overseas, and his thoughts on Life of Pi. And then when we come back, we will talk about Punisher. Welcome back, Frank. Stick around. Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. Cat Halo here, hoping you all had a great Christmas and wishing you all a very happy new year. I have a few things to say this week, two new movies, and I want to give a quick recap of the year, so I'll try and rattle through it as quick as possible. Um, The first new movie I saw this week was Jack Reacher. This is a solid thriller with a few good, but not great, action scenes. There is nothing really groundbreaking here. Cruise is cruise, only a little more edgy. The movie is also quite funny. It is worth pointing out, though, that the opening sequence is very intense, and it later comes back to the same scene later in the movie, just from a different perspective. And then it's really quite moving, worth mentioning. So in short, this is a good movie, worth seeing, but it won't set your world on fire. I also saw Life of Pi this week. This is quite a remarkable movie. It looks breathtakingly stunning with some of the most beautifully rendered 3D I've ever seen. The story is quite good with solid acting throughout. It is a very uplifting tale, but the main selling point of the flick is the visuals, which are amazing. So... It's a beautiful and moving tale, fit for all the family. Now, I'll try and get through my year in review very quickly. This year, three movies broke a billion dollars worldwide. The Avengers, Dark Knight Rises, and Skyfall. That's very cool. Rending out the top ten worldwide earners are the new Ice Age movie, Breaking Dawn 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, Madagascar 3, Blair, Hunger Games, The Hobbit, and Men in Black 3. It's interesting seeing that so many of these movies are actually geek flicks. Um, By my thinking, though, the best movies of the year are as follows. The Avengers, Argo, The Artist, The Imposter, 21 Jump Street, 
Ted, Cabin in the Woods, The Raid, Dread 3D, The Dark Knight Returns Animated Part 1, Looper and Skyfall. Also, seeing Die Hard, Gremlins and Jaws on the big screen were cinematic highlights. Oh, and let's not forget Raiders of the Lost Ark in IMAX, utterly awesome. Worst movies of the year, pretty easily decided, Taken 2, The Watch, Ghost Rider 2, The Raven and Battleship. They're all joyless and terrible. In comics, I've just about loved everything that Jeff Johns has done this year, Justice League, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and I'm loving, loving, loving Francis Manipal on The Flash. Snyder and Capullo on The Bat Book is just awesome. I really liked Court and Night of Owl's arc, and I'm enjoying Death of the Family so far. The Before Watchmen event has been a bit hit and miss, but overall I'd say I quite liked it. On the Marvel side, AVX was rather disappointing and it really didn't bring me into this new Marvel Now thing. But I am enjoying the Daredevil End of Days book. It has an interesting feel. It's almost Dark Knight Returns-y. Um, other books that I've enjoyed this year are you know, Lock and Key, Atomic Robo and The Cape. Um, I will leave you now with just a quick list of a couple of kick-ass movies coming out next year that you can look forward to. Man of Steel. Iron Man 3, Star Trek 2, Pacific Rim, The New Hobbit Movie, Wolverine, Thor 2, Fast and the Furious 6, World War Z looks awesome, Die Hard 5, Oz, Hansel and Gretel, The Lone Ranger, Kick-Ass 2, Carrie, and The Evil Dead Remake, The World's End, and there are 3D reissues of Star Wars Episodes 2 and 3 and Jurassic Park. I'm excited about all of them. And I will leave it there. Again, I wish the whole Spoiler Rate Nation a fantastic 2013, and I hope that your 2012 was as enjoyable as mine was. You can follow me on the Twitter, if you see fit, at CatHaloMovies, and I'll leave it there. Thanks again, guys, and have a fantastic year. Thank you so much for those uh, movie reviews, uh, Kate, Cat Halo. And uh, listeners, if you want to have your thoughts or your comments shared, all you need to do is contribute to the Major Spoilers podcast. Contact our Major Spoilers hotline. Matthew, that number is... 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers hotline. It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's been a while since I've mentioned it. 1939. That's the year mm-hmm. Batman uh, came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first year Batman. The Flash issue. came out. You know, uh, for the longest <laughs> time, uh, the, the keypad combination at, at the equipment cool. closet yeah. at work was... Uh, the first issue of uh, Superman. Superman. It yeah. still is, isn't it? Nope. Not now. Oh, really? I should go up there more often. <laughs> uh, well, we just changed it over the holiday. Oh. <laughs> I got a box in uh, this week, and I don't know why they sent it to us. Maybe we'll give some of these away, but a box of five tweaked audio headsets. Uh, nice. These earbuds that they have here. And listeners, you can head over to tweakedaudio.com. When you check out... You use the code MAJOR, and you get 30% off the price. Now, what did we get here? We got uh, the Tweaked PB Earbuds. It's uh, These look like more of the traditional um, earbuds that you see on, a, on your iPod, mm-hmm. but this one is the flat ribbon design, which I really, Ooh, really yeah, like. Yeah, those are nice. This one's got an inline mic. You can get them with inline mics. Here's a pair of these wood uh, earbuds that we were talking about. Zach, check That's that out. That's my favorite color. Oh, uh, there's a green one. There's a blue one that are pretty cool. These are the Parkour 2 earbuds. Hardcore Parkour. Hardcore Parkour. So we've got a couple of the PBs, yeah, a couple of the Parkours, and then we got that wood one. Is that a Parkour, or what's, what's it say this, on the back? Look on the back. And, uh, tweaked what? Tweaked Natural V3. 
All right, version three. So I'm glad they sent it to us. Uh, we may give away some of these in the coming weeks, but uh, so far these are pretty nice. And they're at a reasonable price, and a lot of people bought them for the holidays. Matthew, you had mentioned that you got your wife a pair, or your kid a pair, and then I your did. wife stole them. Well, the the midget's ears were too small. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, you know, my son was like, oh, I'd like an, uh, a, a really cool over-the-head earphones like the pair that we bought Zach, the new pair that we bought Zach. He's like, those would be pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, but you're such a little kid. I'm afraid he's going to crank yeah. that volume up and hurt his ears. So oh, yeah. we have refused no, yeah. that our kids cannot have headphones. Little kids should not be allowed to wear headsets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, should, you, you should get him a pair of but, Beats by Dre. <laughs> well, that's what he was looking at at the oh, store. Geez. He's like, can I get some of those? Those look really cool. I was like, no. Yeah, they are Why don't you get cool. a pair of those My Little Pony over the head uh, headphones? Because <laughs> um, music is magic. Um, but, hey, our good friends over at <laughs> TweakedAudio.com, we appreciate everything that they have done this year. And for everyone who's bought it, and uh, like I said, go over to TweakedAudio.com. Retail price nineteen ninety five to thirty four ninety five. When you check out, uh, it will cost you 30% less if you use the checkout code MAJOR. All right, let's get into our discussion this week. Originally, Matthew and I were talking, uh, I don't know if we talked on air or if it was off the air last week, but I said, Matthew, I, I'm really interested. On air. It, I was really interested in Punisher Max, um, the series mm-hmm. that came out in like, I don't know, it was like a 22-issue run because this went to the extreme end of what Marvel does. And in the Max line... Right. Um, creators are able to tell, or writers and artists are able to tell stories that are a lot more intense, a lot more graphic, uh, because I remember in this 22 issue run, I'm just like nudity, um, really yeah. foul wow. language, all this stuff in the, in the max line. And so I was interested in looking at that. And Matthew says, well, I think what you're talking about is the welcome back Frank story by Garth Ennis. And of course, right. not knowing a whole lot of Marvel or especially the Punisher, cause I think this may be my first full Punisher story. No, uh, you know, we arc. covered the Punisher limited series a couple oh, okay. weeks ago. All right. I was just like, okay, sure, fine. That must be it. And so we got it and we read it and I was like, this is not the Max line. This is the series. This <laughs> is the Garth Ennis um, volume three, which led into Punisher Max. And actually, I think towards right. the end became Punisher Max in the in volume three. The, this, this started out as Marvel series. Knights. Right. This 12 issue series. Then, well, this is the thing. Right before this, they had killed the Punisher, and he had become an angel of death. Work, he was dead, and he had come back, and he was working with angels of heaven and shooting evil things. And everybody went, well, this is so the Punisher in the radar, and this brought him back. When you said you were the beginning of Punisher Max, I, I took you literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this, this series led into 67 or 68 issues of Punisher Max, which right. was... The actual Punisher Max series. Yeah. And then Punisher Max relaunched again later in like 2005, I think. Yeah. The problem with the Punisher, and I can't go anywhere near the back issue piece at work without having some sort of nervous tick. Because the Punisher has like 12 different volumes. Mm-hmm. And they'll give you a Punisher one about every six or eight months now. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. This because Frankencastle. Punisher eras for me. Yeah. And I can see that because. Um... Now, we should ask Zach, is this your first Punisher arc? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much? I mean, you've read some Punisher here yeah, and there? Yeah, I read some after the Omega Effect last whenever from Marvel, and about like three <laughs> issues, but no, this is my first extensive Punisher Okay. Well, as I told Matthew um, earlier after I'd read the volume, I was like, oh, this wasn't what I was thinking it was, but I have read Garth Ennis books before, so this is exactly what a Garth Ennis book <laughs> yeah, is. This- 
all, and I've read the boys, I've read the boys before, and that is really what this book uh, reminds me of. I mean, uh, what's his name? Mother's Milk? Or who's Mm -hmm. the, yeah, he's uh, basically the Punisher type character. And when it's done by Steve Dillon, yeah, yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, it looks almost like him in in the book. Not Mother's Milk. Who is it? The Butcher? Yeah, the Butcher. He kind of. He kind of also looks like uh, Jesse Custer with a different haircut that's mm-hmm. drawn by Steve Dillon. And the thing about Dillon and Ennis together is picking up this book, it first of all makes you wonder what goes through their heads. Because I don't want to know. I, I'm afraid to meet either of these men in a dark alley after reading this book. <laughs> well, no, this is one of those things where you. I, I think it'd be interesting to meet Garth Ennis and have a chat with him, especially after his Battlefields books, because those get pretty... Uh, pretty intense too. But if he yeah. said, Hey mate, let's go have a drink. I would have to politely decline because I'm afraid I would wake up in a bathtub full of ice with yeah. my kidneys cut out or something. Yeah, is no he Irish that. or is he Scottish? I don't Irish. know. He's Northern Irish. I am looking He's at Irish. I'm looking at what so he right probably now. talked like this. A little bit of nasal wine. And I can make that joke because Garth Ennis wrote that joke. And if he's Irish making jokes about Irish people, then it's not well, had awful a good, for me to make them. They had a good Guinness joke in this book yeah. where they're in the bar. Oh, yeah. And she's like, what are the, what's this foul language written in my, in my Guinness? And uh, they explain that the uh, shop owner, the bar owner, thought it'd be cool if they drew a little shamrock in the top of the Guinness for a trade for um, um, tourism mm-hmm. uh, trade. But the bartender hated the idea, and so he just scrawls <laughs> filthy, nasty words into the, the, the head of the Guinness. Um, Matthew, give us a rundown of this story. This is this is Frank Castle coming back to New York after this weird, crazy run of "I'm an Angel of Death," and they actually they briefly reference it. He basically uh, they went through the whole Angel of Death thing. And this just hand waves it and says, oh, they took me to heaven and I looked at heaven and then they threw me back and they thought it would be hell on earth. But basically it's the Punisher going back to business and crossing swords with a crime lord or crime lady. Yeah, crime family, the Nucci's. The Nucci's led by Ma Nucci, who uh, quite possibly is one of the scariest and most disgusting things you've seen since. Uh, Well, a similar character appeared in Preacher. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, it seems like Ennis loves to populate his books with the bizarre characters. Yeah. You know, and nobody is normal this, in these books. No. And this book is fascinating for me because the Punisher usually doesn't have a supporting cast. Right. The Punisher is usually him and Microchip in a grim war against the criminals. The criminals, well, they're scum. Right. But this this sets up where Frank comes back to New York and he buys a scummy apartment and his neighbors, uh, Dave, Spacker Dave, Spacker Dave, and Mr. Bumpo, who is morbidly obese, and then tiny, tiny little Joe talks. And you you meet his neighbors and you meet the policeman and the mayor. And this has such interesting and, yeah, as Stephen pointed out, freakish personalities. Spacker Dave has five pounds of metal in his face and Joan mm-hmm. can't talk in front of people. And Mr. Bumpo is this, completely obese. You've got yeah, the yeah. you've got Manucci who four or five pizzas. Manucci gets mauled by a grizzly bear and no, has polar bear. Polar, bear. <laughs> polar bear. I'm sorry, yeah. has no arms, legs, <laughs> and basically has That's half her freaky. scalp uh, cut out. Uh, you get uh, Wait, there's a a psychologist named Bud Plug. Yeah, who hangs yeah. himself because he can't deal with being his first real Psycho case. Babble. 
is uh, is working to bring down the Punisher with uh, Soap, uh, Detective Soap, yep. who's a an idiot. Joe Soap. Yep. And Joe's partner, uh, what was her name? Von. Von yeah, Von Ruthstein or something. Yeah, some crazy. Von What's fascinating about that though is. Ennis is messing with the tropes of an action movie where mm-hmm. the guy and the girl get closer and closer and closer. And he's like, could you ever fall for me? And she's like, nah, I'm gay, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shoot, shoot that cliche in the foot, man. Now, I mean, there's a, you know, there as much grief as I kind of give the fact that Ennis loves to populate his books with these bizarre and oftentimes bizarrely deformed characters and as often as he tries to make these as violent as he possibly can, I found, especially in like the first four or five issues, that there was some real magic in those first four or five issues that could yeah. be, a, as I was reading this, I was like, you know, the Daredevil movie that they wanted to reboot was supposed to be grim and dirty and gritty, mm-hmm. and it could have really worked. And then I read this and I was like, this is exactly how Daredevil could have worked in this grim, gritty world. Yes. In fact, Daredevil even makes an appearance in this yeah. book. Which I found very yeah. fascinating. I thought that was a very good, ha- a very, very good handling yeah. of the yeah. Daredevil character. Uh, of both at, Daredevil and Punisher. Yeah. At yeah, one yeah. point, at one point, Punisher is is trying to kill Manucci's brother. I think it's brother. Um, and know, yeah. And so he's on top of the building, going to uh, blow the guy's head out. Um, of course, he's being represented by Matt Murdock. So the Punisher knows that he's going to get off of this uh, death row sentence. And so he's just going to plug the guy when he's coming out of the courtroom. Well, the daredevil shows up and uh, the, and the Punisher's like, I could never take him one on one. He always got he gets the best of me. I don't even know why I try, which kind of puts a personal touch yeah. on the Punisher where he's like, I get the shit beat out of me yep. and I know I can't right. take this guy. So I'm going to let him have round one. I'm going to get round two and sets off these ultrasonics, which yes. gives uh, cripples Daredevil and gives him the upper hand. And Frank Castle knocks him out. He comes to and Frank Castle's at the edge of the uh, building ready to, to shoot. Daredevil is tied up and in his hand, his only free hand is taped a handgun. And and yep. the Punisher is basically, look, you've got two choices. I can't let this guy live. So I have to kill him. You can either yeah. do the right thing and let me kill him, which makes you an accessory to murder, or you can do the right thing and stop me from killing him because, uh, you know, letting the law, yeah, right. following the law, which would make you the murderer and you have to decide. And Daredevil just sits there for these couple of minutes while Frank Castle counts it down. He's coming out of the building. The car's pulling up. He's coming out of the building. I've got the yeah. shot. And Daredevil's just sitting there going, oh, please, no, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Until he goes, OK, I'm pulling the trigger. And then Daredevil pulls the trigger mm-hmm. and it's just click. And yeah. Frank, of course, kills his target. And he goes over to Daredevil and says, you know, I didn't put a firing pin on there. Yep. But now you know what you're capable of. And now you know how I feel every single day when I have to pull the trigger. Exactly. And, and, this and that was like moment. a great is, scene. That was really good. I remember when this issue came out in 2000 and whatever, because after that weird, well, they did a whole Batman thing with him and they did, you know, different punishers and he went to jail and then he died Mm -hmm. and he became, you know, an angel. But this book quantifies it and it locks it down because Daredevil is like, what do you mean? Either you can prevent a death and be a killer. Right. Or you can let me kill this person and live with it. And Daredevil's like, what kind of choice is that? And the Punisher looks at Daredevil and us by extension, the camera. Mm-hmm. He says, it's the decision I yeah. make every time. Every I single day. Trigger. I'm yeah. like, oh, 
beautiful. Yeah, it was that great. Right there locks down. That is just a perfect example of whether you like the Punisher, Have whether you-, you think he's an awful character. That is the Punisher's. That's that's the nutshell right there. A while ago, um, we ran a short film uh, that Thomas Jane stars in that he was playing the Punisher. Is an independent sort film. Of. Oh, is that when he goes to, like the laundry. Yeah, it's stuff? the laundromat yeah, yeah. called Dirty Laundry. You can find it on YouTube. Um, and he doesn't come out and say that he's the Punisher, but you know it is him as the yeah. Punisher. And it's got um, what's his name in it? Uh, the Beast, um, Hellboy, Ron Ron Perlman Ron is in Perlman, it yeah. and makes a guest star. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic piece, but it's exactly again. You want to find what the essence of the Punisher is? It's in that little short film, and you can go find that on on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. so one by one, he's just mowing through the Nucci family. And of course, Ma Nucci isn't sta- standing for any of it, gets the drop on him. He gets shot up and, um, is discovered by the people living in his building. Spacker Dave and Joan. Oh yeah. Spacker uh, Dave! <laughs> trying to, trying to take care of him. They realize suddenly who he is. Well, Joan doesn't because she doesn't like watching the news because it scares her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like going out because everything scares her, uh, but they're trying to save him. And uh, right in the middle of them trying to save him, uh, two of uh, Manucci's goons show up and Joan kind of just plays it off and does really good at covering it up. Spacker Dave like cracks <laughs> in an instant. Spacker Dave. I know who you guys are. You're the bad guys. You ain't no <laughs> cops. I ain't telling you where the Punisher is. He is. Oh, you won't, huh? Why don't we go inside? What does the Punisher look like? Um, you get you get that whole uh, you get that whole routine. Italian? What's that? He's 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 kind of fuzzy. (laughs) He's kind of Canadian. What else? (laughs) He looks a little bit like Jesse Custer. (laughs) Does he have a skull on his shirt? (laughs) What? Say what again? Uh, they basically rip all the metal out of his face. Yeah. I mean, we don't, yeah. see, you don't and that's, see it. So here's the thing that I find also really fascinating. Have you ever read The Boys, Zach? Nope. Okay. Um, the Boys, is, as everybody who's read The Boys knows, is very graphically violent. Mm-hmm. And had this been a boys story, we'd, we would have seen Actual, Spacker like, Dave's. We would have seen stuff. his face of what the result of yanking all of this right. metal out of his face would be. But Marvel editors or maybe Ennis himself wisely chose to edit it down to where we never saw what the, what the result yeah. of his, his uh, torture was. Uh, we just saw his face bandaged up in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Punisher comes in, saves the day, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but now people know that he's in that building right. and Ma Nucci knows that he's in that building. And, um, things get even more interesting there, Zach, because what does she do next? She calls, in the big guns, the big man, a person she that I personally never heard of, but he sure was big and bad, the Russian. He now exists before this book, Zach. Russian oh, really? character. Oh, yeah. because they Soviet said something Russia, about him like beating up the Hulk you. and stuff. I was like, oh, maybe that happened in some no. book, actually. No? No? Uh, no? Oh, okay. So it's a completely new His character. first appearance of Russian. But apparently he is the big bad. Yeah, yeah. In this book. I mean, he takes out some. Is it just me, squad. Matthew, or were there shades of that um, uh, Captain America trade that we read a while ago, where he went into the 
different costume change, and then it was the red, white, and blue, the the other Captain America junkie that was always popping the pills. You remember that? Nuke. Yeah, Nuke. Yeah. The Russian just kind of reminded me a lot of that character. I can definitely see a little bit of that. The thing about the Russian that I that I really believe what we're supposed to get out of this is this is kind of the prototype for what would become that Marvel Max book. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of Daredevil's appearance, there's nothing here that really cements this as being a superhero type story no, no, or no. having super characters taking place in the Marvel Universe. So having the Russian here as someone who is overtly superhuman, he's still not as powerful as the weakest Avenger. So having that character who is basically, you know, a really, really, really strong guy, but who's still just a human being or, you know, barely a human being. I really like that aspect of it. I like the fact that the Punisher gets his butt handed oh, to oh, him yeah, time and time again. Time I mean, after you hit the halfway point of this book, he is getting yeah. his, his butt kicked left and right. I mean, he gets shot yeah. in the chest yeah. because he goes in unprepared. The Russian just messes him Oh, just him throws him around. Up. Now, before we get yeah. to the end of the fight with the Russian, here's the other thing that at first infuriated me, <laughs> but then paid off is that Ennis populated this book with a bunch of, in my opinion, meaningless characters, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, at first you see Spacker Dave, who's just this slacker metalhead sitting on the Spacker stoop. Dave! And then you're meeting Joan, who's just this little mousy girl who just, uh, I, I bake too many pies. I, I, I bake too many cookies. Um, and then you got Mr. Bumpo, who is just this morbidly obese man who has a stroke, and they have to cut a I hole in the side of his wall so they can get him stroke. out. And the first time we see him, Punisher pulls him yeah, through his stuck, doorway. Yeah, he's stuck in his doorway. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, and it's just like, as it goes on, every day he comes home. Uh, hey there, Mr. Smith. Hello, Dave. Spanker Dave! Um, hey there, Mr. Bumpo. Oh, yeah, my toilet got crushed. Now, do they make adamantium toilets mm-hmm. so I don't break the next one? And then... I baked too many pies. And to the point it became, okay, this is just infuriating. And then after Joan gives him the cookies and then the pies, you start to see a little bit of humanity creep into the Punisher. Mm -hmm. You know, he starts to say, "Mm, these are good cookies. Mm, These are good pies. Let me have a conversation with this woman. I did like the cookies. And then Spacker Dave becomes this. I don't know. He he becomes kind of an everyman of why the Punisher does what he does, especially when. Specker Dave gets yeah. tortured yeah. and he's like, these are the people that I'm fighting for. And then you're like, yeah, but what about Bumpo? Bumpo is just there almost as a comic relief. Look how fat and obese this guy is. And, and it's just, what is the point of having this fat guy in the book until you get to the end of the book where he's fighting the Russian. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the Russian has this uh, hypersensitivity to heat and Bumpo is always just eating pizzas. Right, right. He gets thrown into Bumpo's apartment. He grabs a pizza. He's like, is this fresh? And he's like, yeah, I just got it from down the street. And, and the Avenger, or, I'm sorry, the Punisher throws it into the, uh, the Russian's face. And the Russian's like, ah, oh, I am burning hot. Ah, and falls down. And then the Punisher just basically pushes Mr. Bumpo this huge guy on top of the Russian and holds him down on top of that and basically (laughs) smothers the Russian to death, suffocates him to death. 
with this fat man as his weapon. Doesn't he ask, how long has it been? Oh, 20 minutes? We should probably give another 10. (laughs) And he's like, just laying on top of it. He's like, that's okay. Don't move. Don't worry about anything. Everything's okay. And Mr. Bumpo's like, okay, whatever you say there, uh, Mr. The Punisher. And then there's that great, and there's a little bit of comic relief as, how long has it been? I think it's been 20 minutes. And maybe we should give it 10 more. Oh, whatever you say. And just smothers him to death. So, you know, it's, it's part maddening when you're like, okay, these characters really serve no purpose until they serve a purpose. Right. And that's when I think it, it yeah. really in hindsight makes those characters worth it. And now going forward, when you read an Ennis book and you see a minor character that seems like they're doing nothing except appearing again and again and again, much like what we see Kirkman doing in invincible where you'll see the squidoids, you know, appear for one page yeah. out of every 50 issues until they finally have a payoff. That's what we're seeing here. And I really like that part. I do too. And one of the things that Ennis does is nobody is allowed to have all their dignity, but the people right. who mm. get the most of it back are people like Spacker Dave, and right. Joan and Mr. Bumpo. Those people are the quote unquote, the normal people. They're the people that in this story get the best of things because mm-hmm. the Punisher is a monster and the Punisher knows he's a monster and he knows why he's a monster. But you get to the point where at the end of the story, Joan's better off. Spacker Dave is better off. Bumpo is better off. The cop and his lesbian partner are better off. Mm -hmm. Everybody's better off except for the Punisher himself, and he's still stuck doing the Punisher thing. I don't know if he's stuck. I don't know if he's stuck doing that because at one point he and Joan are having the conversation where she's like, I'm scared of everything. And he's like, well, why don't you move? And she's like, well, I'm too scared to move. I don't have any money. I wouldn't know what to do. And so in the end, he helps her out. And she gets to go on and do his thing. But she's like, well, why do you stay here in New York? And he's like, because it's my thing. I love it here because I get to beat the crap out of bad guys and save the good people, people like you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. I mean, Ennis doesn't necessarily play fair with superheroes, as we saw in The Boys. Mm -hmm. And there's an element of I think there's an element in Ennis's writing that the superheroes are sometimes really dumb. Not dumb because, you know, they're going off and fighting and doing things that are impossible, but they're dumb because they get away from humanity. And I think that's what the subplot with the vigilante squad is saying. Where (laughs) the vigilante squad subplot where you have the one character who runs around with a machine gun and the one character who, you know, axes people to death. And they think they're just like the Punisher. They think they're going to be heroes and they're going to save the day. Or, you know, blow people away or kill them, whatever they want to do. That plot is basically Ennis saying, here's what people think about the Punisher. This is what a lot of people say the Punisher should be. He should be hacking criminals to death with an axe. Or he should be killing everybody. Or, you know, uh, we don't want hot dog vendors on the street. And dropping (laughs) the grenade in the hot dog vendor. And by showing what the Punisher isn't through that vigilante squad... He's able to take that aspect of the Punisher and say, this is what he should be. This is how the Punisher works. And I feel like right. that, that's the only excuse for having these characters well, you're right. I mean, yeah, take it, up it, as much space. It does. Yeah. And they took up a lot of space, which I really didn't like. Again, except for that part of does vigilanteism create more vigilantes mm-hmm. and how is the Punisher different than these vigilantes? And they do talk right. about it at the end. It, and so I can forgive it, but it was... One of the least interesting parts of the book. 
Yeah, I, I mean, think in individual yeah. issue form, this would have been maddening. Oh, especially when in, oh, in some geez. places it's taking up four or five pages, so it's taken up a fifth, fourth right. to a fifth of a book. Oh, I would have hated that. I would have hated that. Did you hate it, Zach? Did you the, like the vigilante squad, the priest? I mean, I'm sorry, Mr. Holy yeah, and then the whole, Elite it, I don't and know, it Mr. Payback. started off and I was like, I thought it was just going to be the Holy dude. And I was like, okay, I mean, I can kind of see something. This is going to develop into something in a few issues down the way towards the end. And then it's bringing in the other guys. And I was like, and I could tell like, oh, he's just a commentary on you know, media or just the, what the Punisher is in nature. I was like, it's okay. But much like you guys, it's like, some of it felt like a waste of yeah. just some filling and but to put that commentary in there and then they had the end at the end of this is the Punisher eh, it was okay I didn't hate what, it what did you yeah. not like about the book um so when I think of Punisher I think of like the super violent stuff and there was a lot of like violent stuff obviously a lot of people died mm-hmm. but i felt like the art didn't reflect it as much like there'd be a bullet and hit it, like going through someone it would just be like a flash or something right, I mean, we wouldn't right. see much there wasn't very much blood right i don't feel like for how much violence there was happening there wasn't very much blood you should read maybe you should uh check it out on your comicsology the boys the boys and just check out like maybe the first six issues i think the first trade is what yeah. it is um because it is a lot of violence i mean a right. lot of i mean you see somebody get punched in the head and you see the fist coming out the back of the head with the yeah. brain matter and everything flying at well, you so yeah i mean not that <laughs> like I said, and that's <laughs> I what i was saying about spacker dave they right. could have shown his face oh, they all totally. they, they could have shown his face all torn up but it's they refrain from doing that i think i think that was fine but the the part when i mean the punishers mowing down people and he just clearly shot like 15 people with machine gun and you see them all get hit with bullets but there's like three right, drops right. of blood on the page it's like well that's not really realistic there should there should be a lot more blood says the farm boy who uh <laughs> i mean i, I watched yeah, a lot has of never I've been in a drive i watched a lot of violent he's, movies he's, this been, weekend, he's so been in a tractor pass I was, by but i was, <laughs> saw a sunny chiba movie i was, <laughs> I was expecting more blood the level of the, the level of language is not there yeah yeah, yeah yeah because if you read the punisher max stories they're allowed to throw in the f-bomb yep. and have people talk in a more naturalistic well for some values of naturalistic way and I think this story doesn't necessarily suffer from being in, I guess, regular continuity, the Marvel Knights line, where they have to play back the violence because mm-hmm. it, I think it works. There's a scene where you see the Holy trying to clean up one of his, one of his kills and there's just blood yeah, everywhere. That, that was pretty bloody. But there's no, there's no body because the body is in a trash bag. Right. And he's trying to hide the trash bag from his senile cleaning lady. Uh that's a good scene, and it wouldn't have worked if you could just show the hacked up body parts. Yeah. It no. wouldn't have worked as no, no, well, no. I guess I feel. And Dave's face being mangled wouldn't have worked as well because our sick and twisted little minds can come up with so much worse oh, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. than what even Steve Dillon can write. Well, I mean, but, you know, you, you know, there's that uh, bit in Reservoir Dogs where the guy's getting his ear cut off. Right. And Tarantino yeah. wanted to shoot it with you seeing the ear getting hacked off, but his crew and maybe his editor is like well why don't you try it with just a pan away and let the theater of the mind fill in the gaps mm. and he's like okay well let's just try it that Plus, way and he said know, during the edit prosthetic as it as <laughs> it pans away and all you hear is the screams your mind does fill in the blanks and when you talk to people about reservoir dogs a lot of people talk about the ear cut off scene 
And a lot of people walked out of the theater at that scene because it was too violent, yet you didn't see the ear getting cut off. I mean, yeah, you saw his bloody face, but you didn't yeah. see the ear getting hacked off. And so that's kind of what you get from, from the Spacker Dave moment where the Punisher and Joan are looking at him in, oh my gosh, and then suddenly you fill in those blanks and then yeah. you see his face bandaged up later on. I, you know, violence wise, I thought this was okay. This was a Marvel book. I didn't expect to see brain matter mm-hmm. and intestines and all of that in this book. I thought it might happen once or twice, but it didn't surprise me that it didn't happen. Um, I, I guess I'm for my biggest disappointment. I just, I still have to say that that vigilante story subplot, not that, not that great. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially as it was resolved. Um, it did. And if that's my biggest frustration, yeah. But if that's my biggest frustration, then that can't be too bad. No. Did you have things that you didn't like, Matthew? Well, the problem with any Punisher story is if you walk into it with a problem of problems can always be solved by shooting the bad people. Yeah. If you have a problem with that concept, it's going to make the Punisher difficult. I have a problem with that concept. So I went in expecting to be to have that issue come up for me. I love Steve Dillon as an artist. I, I know that some of it is grotesque. Ma Nucci is just disgusting. Oh, yeah. Throughout this issue. Oh, and she revels in her disgustingness. Yep. I mean, yeah. at one point, one and of the guys, a, one, a, of the, one of her goons is sitting there, and he's like totally creeped out by her. And you can tell that just by looking at her, he's ready to throw up because of the way she's been disfigured. And she's like, oh, by the way, lick my scope scabs. And he's just like <laughs> throwing up all over the place. Oh, Did you catch talk- the Darth Vader reference? Yes. No. <laughs> I could hear the Imperial March when she's putting on her wig and that uh-huh. Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I think the hardest part of it for me was that it was going a lot of directions. I felt like the Russian to be successful needed more setup. And I like the last panel, that black joke in the last panel, but I feel like spending that much time just to build up to that final panel gag. Uh, no. And blah, 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 blah. right. That to me didn't necessarily work as a, as a collected story. I think the parts that work the worst are the parts related to the transition from chapter to chapter. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's issue 10. Is that right? <laughs> issue 10 starts with the fight with, uh, the Russian. But the transition from the end of nine to the beginning of ten is a little bit dicey, where the Russian just shows up and starts yeah, yeah. beating on him. I'm like, that what? Did I miss? Did I miss a page or did I miss an issue? Yeah, I wasn't sure. But overall, I feel like the the hardest part of it was transitional, putting it all together and making it work. I think it worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think as a story, this is this is one of my favorite Punisher stories. I liked it the first time I read it when it was called The Boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and bottom, the time before that when it was called The Preacher. <laughs> bottom, yeah. Bottom line for you, Zach, uh, what are your final thoughts and would you recommend this? Skip it, borrow it, what? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was my, like I said, first Punisher stuff and uh, I had a little knowledge of The Punisher, but uh, I thought it was a well-done story and showed a diff- couple different sides of The Punisher and what he's all about and what he likes and doesn't like. And I think it was paced really well. And besides that, there wasn't just, the violence wasn't just 
crazy enough for me. I thought the, I, I enjoyed the I art a lot. More violence. I wanted more violence. I watched. I'm Jack. I watched the Battle Royale this weekend. I needed oh, yeah. more violence in my life. Um. Uh, besides that, that it was really like, well, like, and uh, I would recommend this to one, even if it was their first Punisher story like me. If you want to read some about the Punisher, this would be a good place to. I think the only thing you need to know, and, and the fact they touch on it in that big sweeping moment, is the fact that the mob killed his family. Yeah, that's really that's much all you need. All to you know. need to know. The mob killed his family. The mob killed his family and uh, gave him the executioner's origin, and thus was born the Punisher. Yeah, I will say that the first five issues have awful lettering. Yeah, the lettering is just obnoxious, and I know what they're going for. They're trying to make it look unique it's kind of like what they ended up doing with the ultimate universe but it just makes it hard to read mm. um i like and the fact that uh, jimmy palmiotti does the inks on on this uh, series i was surprised on that go jimmy palmiotti yeah uh bottom line for He's me is is i really enjoyed this book too mm. uh i liked it a lot more than i thought it, i would um i thought that there were some parts that were a little stumbly here and there and didn't fit well with one another. But the parts that really stood out, I think, were the key moments in the book. And you can watch Ennis as he's leading you through to those key moments. And yes, there have to be some dips where the the little boring bits come out. Right. Uh, but everything ties together. The art by Steve Dillon, I thought, was really well. The cover gallery that's in there, um, if those were the covers of the books, did not match the interior art. No, not at all. Which would really throw you off. Um, but overall, I would say this is a good book. This is a book that you can pick up and read if you're at all interested in the Punisher. Um, again, it's not a technically superhero book except for the daredevil, uh, bit. Um, but it's a good crime, crime book. And I would say, pick it up, uh, Garth and Steve Dillon's, uh, Punisher. Welcome back, Frank. Matthew, what about you? I recommend it, and I wouldn't say that about a lot of Punisher books. It's easy to be really highfalutin about the Punisher. Oh, he's terrible. He's worse than Wolverine. He's overexposed and awful. But the stories being told here are good stories, and they're entertaining. And as long as you don't hate Steve Dillon's art, as I know some people do, and as long as you don't have a problem with the fact that Garth Ennis's mind is a horrifying and hilariously black place. I would recommend this to anyone over the age of 18. All right. There you go. Listeners, three recommendations from three of your hosts over at major spoilers. Yeah. Thank you. Zach's of age. So we're Ah, okay there. I think that wraps it up for this issue of the major spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening and being a part of the major spoilers experience. Uh, Next uh, issue, at least for a little while longer, I'm still, being it's one of those lazy moments. I got to build the individual mm. feed for dueling review. We'll have another dueling review to get you guys up in speed. This was a secret. We're keeping it a secret for everyone from last week who listened and heard Matthew and I run through the list of possibilities. This week, we're not telling you until you download it. And then uh, we got the weekend show coming up. Remember, a couple of weeks Ooh. ago, we tasked young Zach to watch Battle Royale. Ooh. And we're going to have another uh, installment of Zach on Film Children with die. Battle Royale in issue 489 of the Major Spoilers podcast. So stick around for that. Zach and remember, uh, we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. 
You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Batman's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. One I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king set the wind soldier. Copyright 2013.